You might have a mom, she might be the bomb But ain't nobody got a mom like mine Her love's till the end, she's my best friend Ain't nobody got a mom like mine Welcome to Teaching My Mother ABA Where we put a unique spin on teaching ABA By using pop cultural references and real life stories So sit back, relax, and enjoy the shit show we call life really going to be a shit show today because I just called Anissa 15 minutes ago and was like, we have a podcast recording. We both thought it was tonight, uh, which our producer let me know that they've never done a 1030 p.m. show their time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's no possible way it would have been tonight. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, OK, so and we have a special guest. Uh Or maybe just a guest. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. I'm like, that's the nicest word you've ever used to describe me. Thank you. Take it. You do know she's she's referring to don't eat the glue special, right? (laughs) Uh, So Alicia Leal is here. Would you like to introduce yourselves again to our listeners? Sure. If you have all of you, all of you, all of you, all of yourself. Um, I am Alicia Leal. Uh, I'm been here before. <laughs> I, I so what's changed? So, <laughs> because what we did a hiatus. Yeah, is the, what's changed in your life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What is going on? Uh, I'm recording from a cabin in the middle of nowhere right now we have internet but no cell service so that's one of the joys of working from home remotely home can be yeah it is something we like yeah did you know you can even set that on your calendar like you can put where you're at so we're so remote that it can't even pick up my location i have to like (laughs) I had oh, to manually change my times in my calendar today because my computer can't pick up where we're at. How they're going to find your body when you get murdered. You know, that's what I want to know. Well, I have lots of protection here. <laughs> we are in a cabin. <laughs> I also yeah, want to maybe you need that. I'm not sure what he would do. Maybe yeah. you need protection from the people that you went with. Do you ever think that? <laughs> Maybe, maybe I have. Did, I just. Question. Did you yeah, ever? Think uh, that's that? true. <laughs> like you're a ninja. Super big ninja. <laughs> wow. You don't talk about. You don't okay. talk about ninjaing. <laughs> First rule of ninjaing: don't talk about don't ninjaing. Talk about ninja-ing. <laughs> Got it. Got it. I've been read in. Been in read in. Okay. Okay. So our quote for. <laughs> This week is, uh, you never go commando in another man's fatigues. <laughs> that's that's where we're at in oh life. Oh my gosh, that just sums up pretty much the last <laughs> like month. I think I don't know. I was trying to put together everything that we've been doing this last week, and I can come up with survival. Um. <laughs> One of our 
Kate now, our, um, oh my goodness, what is she? Chief clinical officer is single parenting right now, <laughs> which so she is in survival mode, uh, traveling, um, yeah, it's been crazy. Yeah, it has been crazy. Uh, um, so I want to talk about Alicia leaving me for dead. That is has to be like <laughs> the biggest. Yes. So Alicia oh. and I are in, and I mean, I thought the trip went well. I did. We were in Minneapolis together. Um, Alicia, I, and another Katie was with us, and. Um, so I, the night before we talked about, I'm like, Alicia, I'll take you to the airport. It's at 440, but that's okay. Like I'll get up, I'll run you and then I'll just go back to sleep or whatever. So I'm like, I wake up at 545, five, yeah. like 10 minutes before she's supposed to board or something. And I'm like, where is she? Because she does ninja a little bit. Like, I'm like, she's the quietest person I've ever dealt with in my entire life. And I don't know if it's just because I'm used to my family who, like, cannot walk through a room without, elephants. like, cool. yeah, cool. like a herd of elephants. Yes. Like, she's the quietest person ever. And I wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, she's gone. So I text her and I'm like, "Did you, what happened? And she's like, well, you didn't wake up, so I just left. And... And I'm like, well, I must have slept through my alarm. No, I set my alarm for PM instead of AM. So I didn't sleep through my alarm, which was good. (laughs) PM. And then she's like, well, I'm glad you text because I, for a minute, I thought, what if you were dead and I just left you in the hotel room? And I'm like, oh my God, could, if you, if any, at any point you think I'm dead, just knock on the door and be like, hey, are you dead? Instead of leaving me for the maid in the front. The fear that I had of disturbing my parents when I was little, because like, <laughs> is it better to just let you die in peace and by yourself, or no. to walk the door and disturb you? Because that, that well, because better. I wish you would have knocked on the door because then you could have seen how fast her ninjing is to get ready. I would have been to get something going. So here's one of my irrational fears that I've never really shared with anyone. Like my sister-in-law's uncle traveled for work and he died in his hotel room by himself and no one found him until he didn't like report for work. And so like when I was going down to close, I'm like, well, would Mariah, I know Mariah wouldn't come looking for me. Like who knows how long I'd lay there before she realized I was gone. But it is not disturbed. But that is one of my fears. I'm like, what if I die in the hotel room? And okay, now well, this it, guy I, probably didn't have coworkers like you do that like have no that don't like, check on me. <laughs> no, no. This I is why we travel in packs. Yeah, somebody was gonna <laughs> text you or call you by six a.m. We it don't was fine. We don't ever travel alone. There is always a pack of us. <laughs> no, no, that is also a lie. Because Dr. Jepson just does whatever she wants. She, like, moms you about things. Like, no, you and Katie have to go together. Oh, yes. You can't walk down this road by yourself. I'm like, listen, first off, I can just sit down and nobody's going to pull me into their car. Like, no, nobody can get me into their car. It's not going to happen. Like, they're going to need, like, ten people. It's fine. We'll be good. We'll make enough commotion. All right? It's not going to happen. And then she goes off by herself. She has this figured out. Just just doing oh whatever she needed to do. I don't even know if she worked. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> one time on no she did and the one time I was on the phone with her and I was like you need to send me a coded text when you get in the building because you need to get from your car to the building and then send me the code do you remember the code word you can't say it here because then everybody will know our code word <laughs> but I'm I don't like, this is normally no yeah, I feel like we had normally a I'm not in Nashville, and now I don't remember what that is. So I'm just gonna be stringing you a bunch of like fruits. I'd be like pineapple, <laughs> fruit, guava, fruit, cranberry. I don't guava, I don't know. guava. <laughs> pineapple, pineapple. Oh my god! Yeah, well, and so, but it was a good. It was it was a good visit, exactly. except for. Oh, my God. So, Alicia, I-, I love that you say that, that she moms us all and then goes off anywhere because I'm going up to wash or not Washington, Brittany, another story, but um, in Minnesota in November. And she's I don't like, think we've completely approved that trip. You can't we, go not- alone. Yeah. You can't I'm go not- alone. Who's going to be there with you? You can't. Nope. Can't go alone. I don't so think then that I text- trip is approved. I texted Brittany and I'm like, do you want to go to Washington with me? Minneapolis. Do you no, want to see? Know. So oh. Brittany, Brittany's like, I am in Washington. <laughs> see? Exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't even know what state I will be to, but it was just see? so funny. No, because anyone you. who knows, we haven't had Brittany on the podcast, have we? We need to have her mm-hmm. on because she's just so, like, relaxed and okay and she's just somebody you meet and if you don't like her there's something wrong with you because you yeah. can't not like her but she's just like I am in Washington we're talking about oh, trying to get you know. out of the airport and Anissa was like <laughs> oh, yeah. Brittany, Brittany is the only one of K now who's been able to get out of the Minneapolis airport and and then the other so Brittany, not me. Her, yeah, <laughs> the other Brittany. And I look over at her as she's driving, and I'm like, okay, but is that a fair conclusion? Because <laughs> then, and this is like, yeah, that's true. She probably just talked and helped people along her way, and like, there's no telling how long it actually took her to get out of the airport. She's just a lot nicer. <laughs> Oh, oh my yeah. god. The Pick- airport versus um Know employees. So yeah, picking up Brittany good. Farley. Brittany Farley and Alicia were by far the hardest people to pick up from the airport. I did not uh-uh. have to physically uh-uh. I did not have to physically go in. I did not have to physically go in and pick up Alicia like I had to Brittany Farley because I had this vision in my head that she was in the corner somewhere, but I did text I texted Britt and I was like, do you think I'm going to have to go buy a ticket and go in after her? <laughs> or do you think she's going to make her way out? Oh, so, okay. Not even me. Okay. Like- let's talk. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I just need to like gather my thoughts. So I like got off the plane. I knew she was in the cell phone lot. I'm like, cool. Just let me, let me, let me figure it out. And then you can come. I can stand on the side and wait for you. You can't wait because they just usher you through there. Like you don't even come to a yeah, spot to load anybody. You just you just mm. roll and hope it's that it's like a roll and jump in. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm yeah. that's not my fault. Anissa was like, Where are you? What terminal are you at? What 
what door are you at? What, well, you're at term- you were at the little terminal. I'm like, well, what? I thought you t- were going to text me when you're ready to be picked up. There was a lot of, there was a lot of issues with that pickup. It was maybe not the smoothest one we've ever done, but <laughs> again, we should travel in packs. Cause I think the smoothest one we ever did was Kelly rolled up and I jumped out and then I went in and got someone and then by the time we were back out, she was rolling back through. So I think that's how we, again, travel in packs. There should well, always be more of Kelly. us. The mini- a common denominator. Yeah. Maybe it's- well, and well, Kelly was the one that picked up. We I was with Kelly when we picked up Brittany Pritchard, but we did sit in the cell phone lot for a very long time. So, so there- okay, um, let's just say our honorary K-Now employee who was supposed to pick us up or meet us, yeah, pick us up. Is was the worst. My sister, she somehow got on a tram, so we flew into what the main terminal and ended up all the way in the second terminal by the end of the whole trying to find her. (laughs) She she was supposed to pick us up, but couldn't find. She yep, mm -hmm. that was probably sit down, do not move, do not. And I'm like, okay, I'm pinging you on my phone. (laughs) Where where are you? That was she so somehow ended up all the way over by the rental car check-in, right? Yeah. And the whole yeah. thing was she was supposed to be picking up Hattie and then we yeah. were leaving. So we ended up having to get our rental car and then drive her back to her car <laughs> in another terminal. Like it was just, it was ridiculous. So, but the yeah. trip, I think the trip was good. Although traveling for two weeks me traveling for two <laughs> two weeks did not go by the end of the the last travel day it things were not optimal <laughs> by any point that's why i, I just let you and the best part is it took her <laughs> that wasn't even the worst day it was the next day when she took 12 hours for a six-hour trip like I would check on her and see where she was and one time she was just in hobby lobby just walking around <laughs> I'm I like, couldn't go any, like I couldn't make myself get in the car. I was like, I can't go any farther. <laughs> like I'm not, I can't do it. I'm like, and I'm in South Dakota. There's nothing between Sioux Falls and, and Rapid City. And I'm like, oh my God, this took forever. I stopped like 12 times for gas and I needed no gas. Like I would put in a dollar fifty. Like it was so bad. I'm like, I just need to stop. The best part of the trip was tell them your irrational fear for this trip. What would happen to you? Which one? Uh, That you would get into a car accident, sprain your wrist, and have to tell people you didn't have underwear on. Okay. So I had a – so – okay. That's where our quote comes from today, y'all. So this – there's nothing ABA about – but maybe there is. You guys tell me. So I packed for the trip – and normally I overpack, but I was trying, I was like, okay, here's how long I'm going to be gone. Here's what I need for my undergarments. Here's everything. So I had planned on wearing a skirt and I wear specific undergarments for my skirt that are like bicycle shorts because, you know, chubby girls know, like sometimes <laughs> your size that you need like bicycle short things. So I go to get dressed after I was left for dead. And I realized I don't have any normal underwear. 
So I go and I'm like, I'll just wear my bicycle short underwear. But then it was chilly in Minneapolis. So I'm like, well, I don't really want to wear a skirt and have to drive to Iowa to skirt. So I'm like, I'll just put on my jeans. So I put on my jeans. Like I went to Target and walked around all of Target because I had like an hour to kill. And then I get to the conference. I check in talk with people, whatever. I go to the restroom. I come back out. And like, right when you walk out of the restroom, there's a full length mirror. And I look and like my bicycle shorts were cutting into my thigh in my jeans. So like you could see the bicycle short on my jeans and my jeans weren't even that tight. So I'm like, oh my God, like this is ridiculous. So I have to go back in the restroom stall, take off my underwear and wear my jeans without underwear, which is so my oldest daughter does not wear underwear at all ever. I hate underwear. Oh I my god! Restricted. I I, uh-uh. <laughs> I am always commando. Just no. So if anyone needed to hear anything about their boss or their friend or their person, <laughs> it's me. I'm like so. No, I text Brittany and I'm like, oh my god, this trip just got worse. Mm-hmm. Like I am. I am commando. Like I don't have any, I don't have any underwears on like, no. And I had to put my underwears, I had to put my underwears in my work bag and zip it up. I'm like, Oh my God. Now I'm like, where's my mask? What if I get into the conference and we had to wear math, which was ridiculous, but I'm like, my mask is in the same zipper pocket as my underwears. And I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. This is perfect. Oh my gosh. And so growing up, the best thing is she's always told us always be fully clothed. Because you never know. You never know when someone's going to have to cut your clothes off or if there's going to be a fire at night. Like, always be fully clothed. I'm always so fully I can see her getting into, like, a little accident and she hurts her wrist or something. Not even close to where they would have to cut anything off. And all she would be like is, I don't have underwear on. I'm so sorry. I don't have underwear on. That's all I could imagine. <laughs> or she gets pulled over by the cop and it's, I don't have underwear, don't have underwear on. Underwear I'm on. sorry. My driving was erratic. I didn't have underwear on. So bad. Oh my God. It was horrible. So then I stopped at Target and with the sole purpose of getting more underwear because I was like, this can never happen again. I don't know if I'm going to keep them in my glove compartment, but then I'm like, I don't know what. I will say jeans are probably the most uncomfortable. When you don't have unders. Yeah. Yeah. When you don't have unders. Jeans are not the best. Mm-mm. Not good whatsoever. Traumatic. Traumatic. Okay. So Traumatic. we only have Alicia for a few more minutes. Uh, so I do have to ask her a question. So our think about it, which we'll get to after she leaves. But um, today we are going to talk about the ABA that we were going to talk about was um, caregiver assessments. And when you do an initial assessment... How much of that assess- assessment time do you focus solely on the parents? So I've split it before to where I do a intake with parents and do anywhere, depending on parents, anywhere between an hour to two hours, um, usually, usually about an hour and a half. Sometimes parents need to talk. So sometimes that's two hours. Um and then I do my assessment with my the client after. 
Okay, first off, I just have to say, so Alicia has come so far talking to parents about her, their feelings. <laughs> I'm super proud of her because when she first started working with parents, uh, if anyone's seen that meme of the brush or the broom mm-hmm. and tapping the person on the back with the broom, mm-hmm. that would have been Alicia. But now I feel like you'd even give a hug. Yeah. It might not be like it might be an awkward hug, but I feel like it would be a hug. Yeah. Yeah. Or a or a I, pat on the shoulder. I mean, I definitely think like if anyone was said, Hey, what's like where's the farthest you've come in your career so far? It would it would definitely be with parents. Uh because yeah. I did not no nobody like that's one thing I that is missing so much yeah. from training. Mm-hmm. Because it's not covered in school. Like even when I was a teacher, they didn't there was nothing about parent training as, you know, or working with parents as a teacher. And that's more than 50% of it. (laughs) If we don't have parents, we don't have clients. Yeah, I agree. And I think that with the new ethics code and the focus on stakeholders, we, I think curriculum wise, I, that there needs to be something that focuses on working with any stakeholder, whether it be caregivers or teachers or insurance companies, anyone, because now it's in our ethics. So I, which I know you probably cover in an ethics class. And I think management usually tries to cover it a little bit, but yeah, it is more than 50% of what we do is so that. What was the biggest challenge for care when you first started of dealing with caregivers? What, what, what do you feel like was the biggest challenge? Um, I honestly, this is my, I'm like, this is what training should be. You should just get a whole bunch of people who are crying and you just sit in the room with them because sitting and sitting with somebody who is crying and for us without trying to offer any solution and just sitting with them feels very awkward (laughs) when I first started now Mm -hmm. I will sit with I'll sit with you like let's sit it's fine you can gather yourself um and I also realized that parents feel just as awkward as I do so if I feel more comfortable and I give that this is not ABA if I give that vibe (laughs) of comfort for them then they're gonna be more comfortable to sit too but the majority of times when parents get upset, they it's an automatic an apology. Like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm crying. I'm so sorry. I'm upset. And I'm like, no, you, I mean, you have a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right, though. Um, the word vibe might not be ABA, but it is ABA that you're controlling the environment. So we know we can control the environmental mm-hmm. variables that change behavior. So you're controlling those different environmental variables for the parent and making them feel comfortable, which feel comfortable is also not behavioral, but it might be the first time they've ever had anyone just sit with them and be like, it's okay to feel the way you're feeling like, and, or they might be so grateful to have someone to help them, especially if it's the first time they've gotten services or if they've been waiting for insurance to approve or I mean there's so many other things that probably are going into their feelings that we probably do just have to sit in it sorry I was just gonna say if we think about early intervention too I mean we 
we're going through assessments right now for for our kiddo and he's almost he'll turn two in December but it's been a constant like phone call after phone call assessment after like planning um schedules asking questions about uh developmental level all of these things and so I can't I can't imagine I mean I can but for our parents, that's a constant sometimes for a year to two years that they're going through that diagnostic process. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden they have the time to sit with that because now they have services right. and now they have time to sit with that um, and and think about all of the different variables that are changing in their life. Uh, and so... I think I also think that that's where a lot of that comes in too. Is that we're the first people who are in whenever we're early intervention, and that's the first time they've had the ability to just sit. <laughs> well, and I do think that in my coursework we talked a little bit about like soft skills, which basically you know just listening and things like that, and how to communicate because, but there needs to be more of it because while we're the expert and we have to focus on data and we have to be very scientific about the things that we do, we're dealing with parents, we're dealing with their child, we're dealing with all of these things. And so it is probably really hard to be able to move between those two, especially someone who's never worked in the field and just decided to get into ABA and have been really focused on the schoolwork. And again, I swear the whole entire time in my coursework, all that is really talked about is the test. And there's not a whole lot of talk after the test. And so I feel like that's where, and as an RBT, we don't deal as much with the parents then. Yeah. Which is ironic because RBTs are around them the most of the time. Right. Well, that's our, so you know, has a blog. Here's my plug. Um, but it's focused on to it's focused to caregivers because they they're supposed to be the ones reading it. And we just wrote one on my kids diagnosed now what? So Alicia is talking about after that diagnosis. And that first step that we wrote in there was breathe. Like yeah. just take a minute and breathe. And then second step is talk about it. So it is finally that time that you have that diagnosis and now I know you want to rush into service, or I know caregivers want to rush into services, but really it is that sit and breathe and then talk to somebody about it while you're trying to find those services. But yeah, after getting services is not the time to just sit and breathe. It's usually right after that diagnosis to mm-hmm. well, take and a minute. Do And caregivers knowing that it's okay when they're looking. So this is the, there's like two problems. I think a lot of the, a lot of the areas that we deal with, there's maybe not as many choices as care, what, who you have for um, services and being okay with like, not, you know, like shopping around for services and finding a therapist that is going to be a good fit for your family because you're just so happy. You finally got a diagnosis. You just want someone to be working with your child and, how does that look like they should be interviewing us just as much as we're interviewing them. That that first parent assessment is really a time where we get to know each other. Yeah. And that's what we're putting together for our next posts too, is the list of questions for what you can ask your providers. Okay. I was just going to say, what are some final thoughts? (laughs) Yeah. 
So for you, Alicia. The sit and breathe is super important. And then talking with somebody. Um, but I would also say talk with somebody who you know is going to give you what you need in the time. So like I have two of my best friends. And because they are my best friends, they want to immediately offer advice or um, solutions to something. And sometimes you don't need that. Like sometimes sometimes you just need to sit and evaluate what's and, and talk through it without getting advice, right? Like they've, you've just come through a whole list of um pediatricians and specialists and everything else. And uh, if you, they, they're going to give you advice as well. So sometimes you just need to sit with somebody who's going to just be okay with sitting with you. Oh, that's good. I agree. I like that. I agree. All right, Alicia, thank you. Now go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Do good things. Good thing. Yeah. No, thanks for hopping on. I know you didn't have that much time. Yeah. All right. Bye. When I wake up in the morning and the long gets out of morning, I don't think I'll ever make it on time. Okay, so let's move into we just talked a little bit about what we feel the assessments look like for caregivers. So let's jump into um, motivational interviewing. So this is a tool that we use during our caregiver intakes and caregiver assessments. Um, it's it's just like having an actual conversation versus the uh, closed-in questions that have like yes or no or you rate something. So uh, your motivational interview is is one of the tools in our toolbox that we use. Well, it's so funny because I remember when I first, I think it was one of my first um, supervisee groups and we talked about motivational interviewing. And so I'm like, okay, I need to get all these resources. What motivational interviewing? Like, it sounds like super complicated and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. Just need to listen (laughs) and not ask those closed-ended questions. I think though with me, like when I do an intake or a parent um, interview, like we have such an agenda of all the things we need to cover. And I feel like I, I feel like it's important not to rush. Yeah. Well, and that's why I was asking Alicia about how she, how much time she spends with caregivers Mm -hmm. when she does assessments, because even though every treatment plan should have some type of parent or caregiver goals on it, you really aren't taught to focus on them. And during Mm -hmm. you're taught to focus on that client and what's going on with that client. And then from what the client needs, right? But really they should be written by what the caregiver needs because that's going to help the client. Well, and I feel like when I talk to parents too, a lot of times I feel like they have some very rote answers. Like they have been, they've just been through assessment after assessment after assessment. Um, I feel like those that have been in the system know what to say and how to say it in a way that would most benefit their child. I don't know how to, I don't know how to like say that without saying that they're, it's not that they're saying untruths. It's that they know 
how to say that. And I, I completely understand because, um, our middle child, when she was paralyzed, like when they would ask me certain things, especially about non-functioning limbs and things like that, there was a certain way you had to answer questions for people to completely understand what you needed or didn't need or what the child needed. And I feel like those, that first like part of your parent interview is really them just answering what they think they need to say. And so as a, as a professional, then it's my job to continue to have the conversations and ask more um, follow-up questions and sit in a time where they can think about their answers. And the hardest part for me is, you know, sometimes I just have to shut up and not say anything. <laughs> That's hard for you. I don't, I don't know why. I that know. And let you. them, because I, right. <laughs> I know I have a really bad habit of like trying to connect with people on a level where like I under like have similar experiences. And so, especially with caregivers, I'm like, I just sit and be quiet. And that is probably the hardest thing Yeah, because I want them to have an opportunity to feel comfortable too. Yeah. And I, the whole goal of that motivational interviewing is creating a therapeutic relationship, which I think mm-hmm. is not something that we focus on so much in, in ABA, but we can use that we call it pairing or building rapport, Mm -hmm. focusing on caregivers too. So I know a lot of, um, I know myself, I mean, I think we talked about this going into the field. When I became a supervisor, I didn't have any kids. So I couldn't really relate on that level, but I thought I knew everything. So (laughs) shocking, right? Shocking. (laughs) Information. Yes. So thought I knew everything and thought that I was the expert, so I should be telling those caregivers what to do, which is not the case. It should be collaborative, and it should be led by those caregivers. I have – so I was working – my anecdote uh, is I was working on toilet training with one of our clients, and this was back when I worked in the center. And so at home, we did no in-home at the time, none whatsoever. And the caregiver would call me and be like, he's been in a tantrum for an hour and a half because he doesn't want to go into the bathroom. And immediately I just look at, okay, what was the motivation? Does he need an iPad? Does he need, what do you need to do um, to get him in the bathroom? Or honestly, my advice was wait him out, which is not (laughs) what I would do now, especially one after potty training my own children. And two, knowing what I know, it's not, okay, let's sit and let them tantrum for an hour, which as a new BCBA, that's what I thought needed to happen because it was escape of, or attention or, or whatever that, that function necessarily was. But it's, it's a different approach now than I had going into the field. Well, and a lot of the parent interviews we do now, um, especially with our centers in uh, Minnesota, we have a translator, which mm-hmm. puts a whole nother spin on how you um, make those connections with those families when you're you don't speak the same language. Uh, and then furthermore, we're usually telehealth. So there's several different barriers that we have to overcome, but the principles remain the same. We listen, we ask follow up questions. Um, 
we do a lot of, I do a lot of summarizing, especially to the translator. I'm like, well, what was this? Can you confirm with mom that that's, or dad or whoever, auntie or whatever, that's what um, they meant. So it's harder to, um, I think that in the communities that we serve, there's a lot of mistrust uh, for professionals or Mm -hmm. um, things. So there's that. I also feel like a lot of times they are trying to best explain their child, but they also are trying really hard with any, just like with any parent, you want people to know the best of your child. Like, you know, you want help, but yet you also want to know, you want people to know like the good parts. Like they're very loving. They like to sing. They like to dance. They like, you know, do all of these things, but yet you're as a parent, you're like, but then there's also these other parts that we really need help with. And so that's hard. I think it's hard. Um, When I look at, so one thing I do want to share is when I do my parent or my caregiver intake, even during any time, it can be when you're working with the clients or when you're just working with the parents, I have them tell me the top three things that they, if they could achieve anything with their kiddo Mm -hmm. or with them, what are the top three Because we know what we learn is, one, you don't just change a behavior because it's annoying or because a caregiver wants you to. But I think it's important of, okay, so my my top three is, let's say a caregiver said, I want them to say ma'am. Maybe not the first thing that we would work on initially, but if it counts as getting caregiver buy-in, then we can start working on that ma'am. Because that's socially significant too, is how they're going to function in their family. So ma'am might not be as important when you live up north or um, on the West Coast. It's not as common as it is in the South and saying yes, ma'am and yes, sir. But again, if the caregivers want to work on that, then I think it's something that you should work on just to, so you have that buy-in. And um, the other thing I started doing uh, with that intake is I'm like, we always ask, we, cause we use our, um, um, from Dr. Hanley, what is it called? I don't even, the like, ISCA. I, the, the, the yeah. interview questions from Dr. Yeah, Hanley. So we ISCA. use that and we use kind of a modified sort of version of that because of the, the different parameters we have when we do our interviews. But mm-hmm. one of the things is what are the three things that you want to work on for your child? I also am like, what are the three things that your child does really well? Because yeah. I also feel like that gives them a time to share like what, what good things that you see in your child. And then um, you did give me really, I know we've talked about this, but um like the, the manners or things like that. Um, we had, I had one that was wanted my child to read chapter books and, um, (laughs) which I was, cause that was, uh, developmental age wise, that would have been a a very appropriate goal. I think they were, uh, fourth grade ish, like that grade level and chapter books would have been something that we would have like for sure worked on. And, um, the child didn't know the alphabet and also didn't sit, um, had a lot of attention, uh, areas that we could have focused on. And you were like, we never discount that that mom 
had said, I want them to read a chapter book because I was Mm -hmm. like, how do I target a chapter book when, and then that's when you were like, oh, well, you need to break it down into the, we need to say to mom, we are, our end goal is chapter books. Like we're going to work on these goals, but here are the goals we're going to work on that are going to get you to chapter books. Yeah. And having that conversation with parents and not discounting what they want. Yeah, I think that's important because like you said, that in initially that end goal might not be something that's achievable, but letting the caregivers know, hey, we heard you and we mm-hmm. want to work with you. And so this is what we're going to do to get them there. And I, the other thing you can look at is the caregiver's goals and the caregiver behavior. So if the goal is that chapter book, so that in the end they want the chapter book, do a caregiver goal of sitting with the child for 10 minutes every night uh, and reading yeah. a book. So mm-hmm. what what behavior of the caregiver can also get them to that end goal? So yeah. yeah. So that and that also is twofold. First of all, it gives time for the caregiver to be with that child. Second of yep. all, it shows the child the importance of book reading and things like that. Um, even just looking at picture books is a, you know, a start to the chapter book. Yeah. But, and I do feel like <laughs> at, I remember being, and this is a different because this was physical versus mental, but I mean, I guess probably some <laughs> mental there too. But I remember them saying to me with your sister, like, what is your goal? And I'm like, my goal is for her to walk. Like it's, I mean, that's the goal I've, and they were like, well, first we have to get her to sit up or whatever. And I'm like, well, no, I I mean, that's all well and good. Tell me, I don't, I don't care the steps that you're going to do necessarily. I just know that this is my goal. And I think her goal wasn't even to walk at that point. Her goal was to ride her horse. Mm -hmm. So like, here's the things that I know that this is the end goal that I want for my child. You're the professional do what you need to do. But I also know that there's parents too that have very unrealistic goals for their children. Again, that would be me as far as I think that my kids should be able to accomplish a lot of things. And so I probably would give goals that a professional might seem, they might think they're unrealistic. So how do you have those conversations with parents? So... Uh, In that instance, I probably would, when you have those goals that seem to be out of reach, I'd probably talk with them, same thing, break it down of, Mm -hmm. of what, what we need to work on before we can even try and get to that goal. Because no parent wants to hear, oh, no, it's not going to happen. I know that if anytime we were told, which we were more than once that she won't walk again, I think we were all on board with, okay, let's get her to walk. Yeah. And that's, they're, they can tell us it's not going to happen, but we're still going to do what we need to to get them to that point. And I think that's why when you focus on the caregiver behavior and what they can do to get them to that point, it's a little eye opener for for the caregivers themselves of, OK, this is what I need to do. Well, and um, like we have a lot of caregiver goals that um let's say it is the reading chapter books, or um, maybe it is that they want their child to be in a mainstream class and to, you know, they have decided that it is, 
they want them to be, I, I'm using air quotes, like normal or something like, because we get those from parents. Like I want him to play with his sisters and brothers yeah. and things like that. And I think the other thing is um, that's also where we have the conversation of what it looks like for that end goal, that it's, there's not this cookie cutter. This is what this means to do these things. And so helping the parents adjust how they think about, you know, independence or how they think about other things like that. Um, like we want him to, especially the older kids, we want them to live on their own mm-hmm. when they, they have been unable to be independent up until this point, but they're like, we want them to get their own apartment or things like that. And I'm like, so independence might look different for your child than independence for your sister's kid or your neighbor kid. And so also having those conversations, like don't discount the work that your child can do and the things that they can accomplish. Yeah. And I think getting the caregivers to focus on the environment. uh, I don't know Mm -hmm. if any of y'all have heard the, we, I'm totally making a shirt of this, but we manipulate the environment, not people. And so, yes, we're talking about the kids, the child's behavior, the caregiver's behavior. But really what we're talking about is the environment and how we can control the environment. So letting the caregiver in on that secret of, okay, yes, we're still focusing on your kid's behavior. But for we, what we need to do is look at the environment in mm-hmm. order to change that behavior. Well, and it's like with independence too, like your child could be independent in the fact that they get themselves up every morning and get ready for school. Like that's a a part of independence. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not that they're able to cook their own breakfast, but there's these little pieces that they're doing and that we have to celebrate that too and not look at, oh, well, I want them to be at this end of the of the continuum where they're really kind of in the middle and we need to celebrate that as well and allowing parents because you know during life and as it happens in general is there's so probably so many times they're given the barriers or the things that Mm -hmm. their kids can't do like we need to celebrate the things that their kids can do yeah I agree I think okay so I want to say to get the audience thinking in the takeaway is think about how much time you spend with the caregivers in mm-hmm. making those, those caregiver goals. And then how much time you need to, you actually need to get to know that caregiver before you start working with that caregiver. Yeah. Because I mean, you, we can't have a successful program without the caregiver being a very, very big part of what we're doing. Yep. I agree. Because you can be the best behavior analyst you want to be, but if you don't have that relationship with caregivers, um, you're just going to, I mean, you can power your way through, I guess, but the kids, especially if you're not in home, they might be, the generalization won't happen across clinic to home. No, they'll learn to discriminate between the two. So I need to act this way. It's like my kids in school. Oh, your kids and me. You I need to act about? this way in front of this person or in this environment. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. And when my mom is there, it's the SD to act like a <laughs> lunatic, apparently. Uh, you want to know, you want to know what we're, so I just, when I 
came home when I was trying like the four day trip home from Minneapolis, I stopped and saw my other grandchildren and Hattie was talking like a baby with her mother. And I'm like, she doesn't oh talk gosh. like a baby with us. No, either one of us. At all. No. Oh, that oh. child. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Discriminating. Okay. All well, right. this has been, I don't know how we got from my underwear to caregiver training, but that was a great segue. I'm super proud of that one. This was, this <laughs> was, you are, my, you are my caregiver. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, soon you'll be my caregiver. <laughs> you are correct. You are correct. I will, I'm not going to take care of you. I'm yeah. Sorry. And your dad, your dad already, he went to an antique store and bought himself a typewriter to fix during the winter months. So oh you're well on your way <laughs> to taking care of him as well. So not leave him at home for extended lengths of time. <laughs> Starts posting weird things on Facebook and I know. writers. And he, oh my goodness, y'all, I have to share it. He just got his pass to get on base. So now he can get on base whenever he wants. And he's like that that old guy who goes in to the on base just to walk around at the commissary or sit and have coffee somewhere. He gets his hair cut. Yes, gets his hair. That's what it was. He's that one old guy who will tell you his Vietnam stories. <laughs> And he always he has to only wear he can only wear his CB hat when he goes on base or to any of his VA appointments. Like he has a specific hat he wears <laughs> that has like United States Navy CB oh all this other stuff. So caregiver oh. that, that was what we can talk about next. Like using ABA with your <laughs> when you're a caregiver oh to your God. parents. No, you're not. So you're not allowed to. I think that's in the ethics somewhere. No, no, thank you. <laughs> She loved me, loved me, loved me, loved me, loved. She loved me like nobody else. Okay, so that wraps it up for another episode of Teaching My Mother ABA. Head over to our Facebook and Instagram at knowledge.now.solutions. Check out all of the things we have going on. We have a lot, um, lot going on. Don't forget to sign up for all the great things. And thank you to KNOW Behavioral Solutions for sponsoring Teaching My Mother ABA and Pretty Easy Podcast for making us sound <laughs> so good. And Britt, why don't you share about the Complete ABA Caregiver Roadmap? Yes. So we have the Complete ABA Caregiver Roadmap uh, for it's an 80-page manual. And it includes a caregiver goal bank if you need those caregiver goals. Um, we have those for sale on social media. We also have them on Etsy. I know we're fancy only because I can't run Amazon. So we're on Etsy now. Um, <laughs> then we have a workshop coming up that goes with the caregiver handbook. And I just put in a special that if you sign up for the uh, um, workshop, you get a free caregiver handbook. And then we are working on the ultimate ABA trivia game that's going to be releasing soon. It can be used to spend time with your fellow ABA-ers or study for the test. Um, and then we had one more thing happening, but oh, our RBT training. We are cool. extremely excited um, so cool. after two years of work. <laughs> It should release next month, so there's going to be a pre-order going up for that RBT assessment. So. so excited. All right. Okay, well, thanks. Remember, <laughs> it's all fun and games until you have to teach your mother ABA. Oh, my gosh. <laughs>